at it and uh, update uh, yourselves on what's on the calendar. And I think that's pretty much high school retreat. Uh, parents uh, sign up for that. Uh, if your kids are going to the high school retreat, need to get it, the information on that, which is all in your bulletin and upstairs in the youth room. So, Father, we ask that you just bless this time in the study of your word as we finish Ecclesiastes. And, and Lord, it, it's been a book that sometimes gets very negative, a book that gets uh, to where we see that Solomon is down and discouraged. And we can feel that way in life. But we also know that apart from you, we cannot experience true joy and fulfillment and real purpose in life. And I pray that we would be reminded of that again as we finish this book, as he brings this conclusion to the whole manner. And that is to love you and to walk with you. And to just grow in our intimacy and closeness and relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts as we go through these chapters. You've got some very important things to say to each one of us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So in chapter 10, as Solomon, inspired by the Spirit of God, writes, dead flies putrefy the perfumer's ointment, got to say that slowly, and cause it to give off a foul odor, so does a little folly to one respected for wisdom and honor. So as Solomon here in chapter 10, he's going to be, it's, again, we're going to read a little bit more like the book of Proverbs that we went through, as Proverbs, all those chapters, written by Solomon, given us wisdom. And we're going to see that Solomon, as we've already seen in this book, will hit on some high notes. He, he, he knows that there's benefits in walking in godly wisdom. There's benefits in, in doing that and not walking in foolishness and living for the Lord. But he gets negative. And at the end, he starts to think, well, you can do that. But you go through difficulties, and I've seen injustice, and it's all vanity. So he gets negative again because he gets his eyes off the Lord. But in this chapter, we're going to see some real wisdom given to us once again, reading more like a proverb or a chapter of the book of Proverbs. And then in chapter 11, we're going to see as Solomon's going to talk about pass, uh, uh, you know, um, passing up opportunities uh, in life, especially when we are young. And then in chapter 12, he talks about the bummer of being old. So as we go through these chapters, I think that the Lord really wants to show us some things, just as in verse 1 that we read here, that as in the ancient days, 3,000 years ago, particularly if you had ointment, perfume, that was a luxury. It was very expensive. Uh, you know, they didn't have to where you can take a shower every single day and, and have, you know, uh, nice soap and everything else. So, you know, to have that perfume, to have that ointment uh, that would be pure, that, that would uh, be very valuable with something very special. And can you imagine as you were wanting to put that perfume and ointment on you if it was full of dead flies? It just ruined it. And you see, I think that the Lord is, is telling us the things that he has for us, as he desires for us to have a pure heart and to walk in purity and righteousness, that you know what ruins that? It's sin. And that's the thing about sin and, and rebellion and disobedience is it just ruins things. It ruins things in your life like relationships. It ruins your joy. It robs you of, of peace. It, it causes you to experience great repercussions and problems because of sin. 
And so we need to be ones that, Lord, I want to walk with you. And that's what the Christian life is to be about, this sanctification, being set apart for him. And I've had a number of people, it's been interesting over the last month, come to me and say, how do I talk to my Christian friend who thinks that living in grace is doing whatever it is that you want to do, living any way that you want to live? And of course, Romans chapter 6, it was Paul, after he gave the doctrine of justification, he then goes into the doctrine of sanctification, being set apart for the Lord. And you see, there's nothing that we can do for our salvation. We come in faith. We can't earn it, that is. We can't uh, be worthy of it. We can't work for our salvation. We come surrendered to Christ in the work that he did on the cross. But sanctification, being set apart for him, now we get to live for him. So Paul starts the chapter by saying, uh, what shall we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace abound? He says, certainly not. And in that chapter, he talks about how we identify with Christ and we're to give ourselves over as instruments of righteousness. We're dead to that stuff. And the Lord did not save us so we can just live after the world and live after sin. He desires for us to really experience that abundant life that he has for us as we walk in righteousness and pursue it as Peter writes in his epistle, as we live in holiness, as we desire to live the ways that the Lord desires for us to live in every area of our lives. But sin will pollute that. And it will just ruin it. So we're to stay away from sin. I'm thankful that we have forgiveness of sin, but it's the Lord that desires for us to walk with him and in his ways. And in verse 2, a wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. Even when a fool walks along the way, he lacks wisdom, and he shows everyone that he is a fool. So here, the right hand was a place of honor and trust. Uh, the left hand was a place of, of shame, uh, as that is given, the, the place of a fool. In Matthew chapter 25, you might recall, in the judgment of the nations, Jesus separated the sheep that were on the right and the goats on the left. But here, I think what Solomon is, is saying, what he has observed in his life, and I believe that he's writing this towards the end of his life, is that a wise man will do what is right, and a fool's going to do what is wrong, and will advertise it. He'll really lack discernment, and, and people will be able to see that he's living foolishly. And it hurts us. It, it really concerns us when we see another walking in that foolishness and and here solomon says it's advertised it's it's seen in that person's life and then in verse four if the spirit of the ruler rises against you do not leave your posts for conciliation pacifies great offenses so stand firm stand fast and that's the commandment given to you and to me throughout the new testament uh, we are told to hold fast, to stand fast, stand firm. And the way that we do that is that we continue on in the Word of God. The way that we do that, because there is a battle that is out there. It is a battle out there, isn't it? And so we're told to put on the whole armor of God. Make sure that you have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the only way that you and I are going to stand fast in the faith, as Paul would give that last exhortation to the Corinthian church in ch chapter 16, hey, stand fast in the faith. The way that we're going to do that is continue in the word of God, just as what you guys are doing tonight coming out on Wednesday night. In your own devotions, make sure that you're studying the Bible, that you're giving yourself to the Lord in prayer, that you are desiring to live for him and stay close to him and rely on him, a life surrendered to him. That's how we're going to stand fast. 
And as I think about this, he says here that don't leave your post. It reminds me of one of David's mighty men. His name was Shammah, a brief mention of him. He was one of the three main mighty men of David. And he was told that you are to stand your post, stand fast. David the king told him that you guard this field of lentils. And so he did. And all of a sudden, somebody cried out, the Philistines are coming, and they all split, and there is Shama, what a David's mighty man, that is thinking, I'm sure, hey, the king gave me the instructions to stand fast. He has his sword with them, and he takes on the Philistines, and he defeats them. You and I are going to have the enemy come against us. And as I think about that story, it's recorded there in 2 Samuel and also in 1 Chronicles of Shammah who stood his post. I think that the Lord looked down at him when he said, I'm going to do what the king has commanded me to do. I'm going to remain at my post and I'm going to fight the good fight that the Lord looked down and said, I like that. I like that and gave him the strength to be able to defeat the enemy. And as you and I, as we say, I know what the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords says to me, my Lord Jesus, that I am to remain at the post and his promises are true for me. And when the enemy attacks, the Lord's going to enable you as you have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and you have the armor of God on, that he's going to enable you to have victory and, and see him work in a very powerful way. So don't leave your post. I know that there are times, because there's been plenty of times in my life when things get hard and the enemy's really coming at you in the world and difficulties that you want to just give up and you want to flee. You just want to surrender. Don't surrender. You surrender to Christ, but don't surrender in doing what is right, your post, in living for him. You keep looking to him, and he's going to enable you to do what he's called you to do. And as we continue in chapter 10, there is an evil I've seen uh, under the sun, verse 5 tells us, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is said in great dignity, while the rich sit in a lowly place. And I've seen servants on horses, while princes walk on the ground like servants. And so he, he's getting negative again. Why is it that I've seen that those who should be in a place of honor are walking, you know, and those who are fools are riding the horses? It, it seems like it doesn't make sense. And, and here as we read this, of course, he's saying you don't put fools or, or those who are unwise in positions of leadership. And that's yet what I see. And, and for the church and for us, even for, you know, your home that you want to make sure that in you're in a leader posi uh, uh, position of leadership, that you are being wise, that you are walking in the wisdom of God. We need his wisdom. And Paul, when he was instructing Timothy a whole lot about that in those pastoral epistles, that Timothy, don't lay hands on anyone too hastily. So as we lead our homes, as we uh, lead uh, in ministry, whatever it may be, it's very important that we have that wisdom, godly wisdom, that we are following after. In verse 8, he who digs a pit will fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. He who quarries stones may be hurt by them, and he who splits wood may be endangered by it. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength, but wisdom brings success. 
So again, here is Solomon being a bit negative and cynical. He's saying you can break through a wall, you're going to get bit by a serpent, you're going to dig a pit, you can fall into it, uh, you know, you can quarry a stone and drop the rock on your foot and get hurt and, and splitting wood. If the, dull is, uh, the axe is dull, then it's very difficult. What he's saying is we need to use wisdom in our lives and what it is that we do. And we don't fall into that pit that we dig or is dug by the enemy in the world. And the book of Psalms talks about how the, the one that comes against you digs that, that pit and, and it's set for you, but because the Lord is protecting you because you are doing what is right in the sight of the Lord. That the one who's desiring to trap you and, and, and dig that pit so you fall into it, they end up falling into it. So I think there's some great wisdom in the Psalms as it talks about that, that listen, we need to do what is right. And if you're digging a pit for somebody to fall into it, you're going to fall into it. And we know that as the Lord is saying here that we are to live in that wisdom and, and you know, we're not to be ones that we are careless as we walk in life, uh, being bit by the enemy, falling into pits because we're not doing what is right and being hurt, and he goes on in verse 10 as he says, the axe is dull, you know, sharpen that axe. It'll make it easier. Listen, sometimes Christians make it difficult for themselves because they're living after carnality, and they're living after sin. And, and I talk to plenty of people, and, and I want to have grace, and I want to always steer them towards the things of the Lord, but sometimes I want to say to him, you don't have to live this way. This is what God's word says that you are to do and how to live. And he, he wants you to be free from all that. He wants you not to be hurt. He wants you to walk in wisdom so you're not falling into pits. And, and some people, they go through life and they never sharpen their axe. And they're just chopping away and there's a lot of energy and a lot of striving and a lot of this and that. Listen. Walk wisely in the ways of the Lord, and things will be a whole lot easier. And then in verse 11, a serpent may bite when it is not charmed. The babbler is no different. So, you know, the Bible talks about useless babbling, and, and we live in, in a culture and in a society where there's a whole lot of useless babbling that's going on. All kinds of voices that, that are out there that it's babble, 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 and we can spend so much time listening to it, giving attention to it. You know, I really commend you guys for coming out on Wednesday nights because I know that there are some that could be here, but they're going to sit at home and they're going to watch a bunch of stupid sitcoms and reality shows and be searching the, you know, uh, Internet and social media and all that. And my point is simply this. They're going to be giving attention to a lot of useless babbling. But you guys are here, and I know that not everybody can make it. I understand that. And there's some listening to us on live stream. We say hello to you, and I'm glad that you're listening on live stream. But there are those who are listening to a lot of useless babbling tonight. And you've chosen to be here to be edified in God's word, to be instructed and encouraged in the things of the Lord. And I pray that you leave this place just being blessed and benefited and and encourage and strengthen because you were here. And then in verse 12, that, that the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool shall swallow him up. 
The words of his mouth begin with foolishness, and the end of his talk uh, is raving madness. Uh, a fool also multiplies words. No man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him. The labor of fools wearies them, for they do not even know how to go to the city. Going through the Ecclesiastes and also Proverbs, it talks a lot about uh, foolishness and the fool. There's nothing good said about living in foolishness or, or living as a fool. It's all you know, seen as being very negative in the eyes of God. And here we see that as Solomon is saying, in my life, I've seen how a fool will not shut up. And Proverbs, of course, talks about the fool that in the multitude of words there is sin. And so it seems that they are so smart in their own eyes, but they can't find their way around the city. That's what Solomon says. Because those who are living in foolishness they have no real direction. And that's why as we walk in godly wisdom, we have direction for every area of our lives, don't we? We don't have to be deceived. We don't have to be in darkness. We don't have to be wondering which way is it that we go. And I know that there are times where we need that wisdom and decisions that are being made. Should I move here? Should I take this job? Should I buy this home? Should I sell this car? There are specific you know, decisions that we need to make. And the Lord desires to help us and give us wisdom. And if we lack wisdom, we can ask of the Lord and he'll give it to us liberally. As we just say, Lord, you know what's best. Give me that peace that rules in my heart. Be that voice behind me saying, this is the way you walk in it. Go to the left and go to the right, Isaiah chapter 30. But we don't have to live our lives in such deception and foolishness, but we have real direction in life because we have the word of God that's given us that direction. And woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Blessed are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobles and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. So again, speaking of someone who is immature, a leader who is immature, a king that is immature, and again, as leaders in our homes and leaders in the church, the Lord desires for us to be spiritually mature. And because of laziness, verse 18, the, the building decays, and through idleness of hands, the house leaks, and a feast is made for laughter, and wine makes merry, but money answers everything. Kind of interesting, isn't it? That speaking about the lazy man doesn't take care of things, but he tries to satisfy himself by, by buying things and, and buying of the flesh and having the mindset that money is the answer to everything. And it isn't. You know, there are those who become lazy spiritually. They're not taking care of things that they're supposed to be. They're not engaged in the Lord. They're not, you know, having their devotions. They're not in the Word of God, and their spiritual life begins to decay. What happens is, you know, it's, it's like a house that leaks, and the things of the world are beginning to leak into their hearts and things. And I've seen it happen to where Christians that were living for the Lord and serving the Lord and excited about the Lord, and then all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden they began to kind of let their spiritual lives decay and more decay, and, and their spiritual foundation is crumbling and all of this. And they think, well, if I just pursue the world and if I buy things and pursue that, then I'll really be happy. 
I'll really be satisfied. And there is blessing when we're able to, to be able to have things and I know that we can enjoy things. I understand that. But those things in and of itself is not going to bring you true happiness and fulfillment. And it's not going to bring you true joy and lasting joy. And that's what Solomon is teaching us in this book, who, who had everything, the richest man that ever lived. And he says, it's all vanity. Whatever it is that I desire, I looked at, I, I had. And he had everything that any man would want, that the world would envy, but yet he's miserable. Because right now, at this time in his life, his eyes are off the Lord. And if we are trying to enjoy anything apart from the Lord, whether it's, you know, our labor, uh, relationships, uh, whatever the case may be and what we have, because we've talked about this quite extensively even in, in our Luke's study, is the rich young ruler who was young, he was rich, he was a ruler. The world would look at him, the church would even look at him and say, this guy's got it made. This guy is successful. But he was lacking. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And as Jesus read those commandments, except for coveting, he said, I've done this. What do I still lack? He was lacking something. And Jesus would put his finger on his covetousness. Go and sell what you have and come and follow me. And he went away sorrowful. And if you are looking for true satisfaction and fulfillment, only in what you have apart from God, you're going to live life in a sorrowful kind of way. It is the Lord that's going to bring that abundant life to you and to me. We have something so wonderful, and that is the riches of Christ, right? And I know that some may be thinking, you know, it sure would be nice if I had more than two dimes to rub together at the end of the month, or if I could get a car that doesn't break down. I get those things, and the Lord will provide for your needs, and you can pray about those things, but you have Jesus Christ. You have something that the world doesn't have, that those out there in the world are miserable. They can seem to have it all according to the world, but they don't have Christ. You can seem to have everything, but you have nothing because you have Christ, and Jesus said, what good is it if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? So let's keep things in proper perspective. The most valuable thing that you have is your relationship with Jesus Christ. You have the riches of Christ. And that should bring us great joy and thankfulness every single day. And I know they can get hard and it gets difficult and we got bills to pay and all of these things. But you look to the Lord and realize that you're a blessed man, a blessed woman because you have Jesus in your life. And then as we look here, in verse 20, do not curse the king even in your thought. Do not curse the rich even in your bedroom. For a bird of the air may carry your voice and a bird in flight may tell the matter. So be careful what you say and who you say it to. Again, talking about the fool who just, in the multitude of words there is sin, uh, useless babbling. Listen, if you're saying something that perhaps uh, about somebody that you don't want that person to hear, probably better that we just not say it and it's amazing how our words when we're speaking and listen this is for me as well because i've had to go through what everybody goes through being careful on what i say and who i say it to and who's around listening because those words when our tongue starts wagging and those words come out they have wings on them 
and people hear about it and it gets back to them and we need to just be wise and a good principle that I've given to you that that I need to follow if we're saying anything about somebody that you don't want them to hear about it then it's just best that we keep quiet and I know that the temptation can be there and we get frustrated and all this but we need to live in that wisdom because those words uh, can you know be like a bird in flight that ends up getting back and hurting people and doing a lot of damage in relationships chapter 11 talking about opportunities in life especially as we're young to just um, take a um, you know move forward in those opportunities given to us cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it after many days in verse 2 give a serving to seven and also to eight for you do not know what evil will be on the earth so back in in this day what they would do the rivers the jordan river or perhaps the nile river is they would cast grain kind of in the water during the time of the runoff and when the waters uh, receded then the seed would remain in in the rich and fertile soil and they hope for a harvest so what is saying is cast your bread upon the waters you know cast it so there's a harvest share the gospel give truth and as you're walking with the Lord and abiding in him know that fruit will be produced know that there's going to be a harvest as the seed of the word is being planted to the gospel in people's hearts and some will plant some will water but God gets the increase as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 but live for him and as you live for him listen there's going to be fruit that's going to be produced and you're going to be a blessing to others I hope we understand that we have opportunity to really impact people's lives for eternity we really do to share the gospel with them and truth with them and on Sunday as we look at that parable of the the minus or the parable of the pounds if you have a King James that there's some really important considerations in that and that is each servant was given a single mina same amount and what he did with it he would have to give an account of it when the nobleman the the master would come back he would go away to a, a far country to receive a kingdom and he's going to come back and those servants have to give an account of what they did with that mina now that is different than the parable of the talents and we'll look at all of that on sunday but what has been entrusted to us and i believe that that mina speaks of the gospel we have been entrusted with the gospel and the truth of god's word to give to others and we have opportunity to invest in people's lives so that there is fruit so there is you know a benefit and and the one servant comes back and says i have 10 minas and the other one five and then jesus will commend them and again we'll explain that more fully very important parable for you and i to consider in the days in which we're living in but the bottom line is this are we being good stewards of what has been entrusted to us and we have opportunity to give the most valuable thing to people and that is truth we have something that the world cannot give you know to those that are unbelievers that is we have opportunity to give them truth and love and as we are sowing those seeds there's going to be a harvest that's going to come that's going to reap and people being benefited and blessed because we are investing in them what a wonderful privilege it is to be able to do that 
So here, taking the opportunity to do that and going and serving uh, to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. In other words, there is an opportunity. Take that opportunity and help others while you have that opportunity. Sometimes there we can say, well, I'll, I'll invest. I'll, I'll really, you know, be serving the Lord. Uh, I'll be a good steward of what's been entrusted to me in giving the truth of God's word or the gospel or in my gifts and abilities or with my resources at another time. And they never really get to it. And we don't want to lose out on the opportunity while we have it. Jesus would say to his disciples right before he went to the cross that I must be here and I must still be working while it's day because the time's going to come when it's going to be night in other words speaking of the time where he's going to be crucified and that he's going to be resurrected ascending to the father but he's not going to be with them there in you know person that of course the holy spirit would be sent he says i send another but he says i got to still work while it's still day we got to still work and have opportunity to serve while it's still day because the time's going to come when, as Paul said, you have no need to me to write to you about the coming of the Lord that is the day of the Lord. For you're children of the light and not of the night. And when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction is going to come upon them. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We're in that day of grace, and it's a great opportunity in the day in which we're living in as we're rushing closer to the return of the Lord to really invest in people's lives because there is a lot of darkness that's out there, a lot of deception. People need to hear about the truth of the gospel and the truth of God's word. In verse 3, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. And he observes the wind will not sow, and he regards the clouds will not reap. I believe verses 3 and 4, again, in this poetic uh, phraseologies and, and terms that he is using here, that he's saying that, you know, the cloud's going to come and it's going to rain. That tree that could have been a benefit is going to fall down, so make sure that you use that opportunity. And then also he says something very important for us to consider in verse 4 he observes the wind will not sow and he regards the clouds will not reap in other words if you're just watching the clouds and 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 you are one that um, are observing the wind you're thinking well it's not right this isn't the, the best time i'm not going to sow i'm not going to invest in other words for you and i is that if we wait for the idea circumstances to sow seeds because we're just looking for, you know, this kind of perfect opportunity or situation that happens. Again, he's the one that opens doors that no man shuts, and we need to open doors. But I want to say this, that there have been plenty of times where I thought the clouds aren't right and the wind is blowing, you know, and this isn't a good time to minister and the Lord is saying, I want you to minister. Don't be making excuses. I have you here at this time, and I want you to minister in this way. You see, if we're always looking for only this particular circumstance or situation to happen, then you may not sow, and you're not going to reap. You're not going to be casting seed. 
And sometimes in ministry, it's not the ideal circumstance, and we are to keep sowing. And you're going to see that he's going to take that, and he's going to have a, a harvest that's going to come up. He's going to see uh, that there's going to be reaping that's going to take place. Trust in him. And take the opportunities to do it when he gives it to us to minister to others. And we continue talking about that in verse 5. As you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb or her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand. For do not, you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So again, we don't always see what the end result is going to be as we sow seeds. Take the opportunity. Make sure that you're doing that. Don't withhold your hand, he says in verse 6. You don't know what's going to prosper. Sometimes I've ministered to others. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to take place. You know, I remember there's one, one time that I had an opportunity to minister to somebody and ministering out in the community, and I gave him a Bible and said, you know, I want you to have the Bible, and he took it, and he said, yeah, I don't need this, you know, throws it on the shelf, and I don't need to read this, I don't need this Bible stuff. Just kind of a cranky guy. And so I just left it there, and it was always, you know, in that place of praying for him. And, and I remember that when the, we were on Grace FM, and remember the fires that went through uh, Poudre Canyon, and it burned up um, the radio tower. It, there was damage to it, so Grace FM went off the air. And um, he calls me up, and he says, where's that radio station that you're on? <laughs> Why isn't it working? And I asked him, I said, why? And it was kind of quiet. He said, because I've been listening to it. And it's changed my life. And that Bible you gave me a couple years ago, I'm halfway through reading it. He thought it was kind of like a book. You just start in Genesis and you read all the way through it. And I got so many questions and it came to Christ. And I would have never expected, I about crashed into a pole when I, you know, was pulling into the parking lot here to take the phone call. You never know as you sow the seeds what's going to happen. Somebody else comes along and waters it, as Paul says, that over time the Lord is working in them. And I just want to encourage you because maybe you're here and you've been ministering to somebody or you've been praying for a family member. Don't Stop. Don't withhold the sowing of that seed. Keep casting. Keep working. Keep praying for them. And as you do, you may see some marvelous things happen as you just continue to invest in people's lives. There are many things that we're not going to see until we get to heaven, how we impacted people. For you, for you in the classroom with the children. For you that are ministering to somebody at work. To you who are just praying for somebody. You may not see the end results till we get to eternity. 
And sometimes you get to see it. Maybe somebody will say, you know, when I was a child, I was in your class, and I remember that lesson, and I came to Christ. You really impacted my life, and it's great to hear that, but we don't always hear that. You keep casting the seed and trust it to the Lord that he's going to continue the work. Well, truly, the light is sweet and the pleasant for the eyes in verse 7 to behold the sun. But if a man lives many years and rejoices in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many, and that is coming is vanity. So talking about the blessing of youth, the light is sweet, and sometimes we don't recognize it till we do get older and we're aching more. And, um, you know, it's a great opportunity while you're young to really serve the Lord. And I want to encourage our young people in that. Sometimes we think if I get a little older or if I, you know, get to this stage of my life, no, use your youth and continue to look to serving the Lord. He wants to use you. And rejoice, O young man, in your youth and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. Enjoy life. And the way for you to enjoy life, you particularly that are young, because sometimes a lot of pressure gets put on you guys that are young, that you need to live for the world. And I understand you're trying to figure things out and what am I going to do in life and, you know, and all that that comes with it. But enjoy the Lord and live for him. And as you live for him and as you are serving him and as you are looking to be used of him, you're going to enjoy life the way it was meant to be enjoyed. And you're going to have real purpose. Living for Jesus is exciting. And you see what happens is sometimes young people think if I live for Jesus, it's going to be boring and dull and mundane and that's kind of the attitude that solomon has had here going through this book but he gives some insight here he says enjoy it oh young man your youth let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth serve the lord and you're going to just experience just tremendous blessing and excitement there's nothing more exciting than a life that is just committed to jesus christ why would you want to live for the world why would you want to live for the world it's going to leave you empty and bankrupt and miserable. So enjoy him while you can. And then in chapter 12, remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say I have no pleasure in them. That is, as sometimes we can think, if I serve the Lord, I walk with the Lord again, life is going to be sour and dour. I'll wait till I get older. No, do it now. Remember the, your creator in your youth and he says uh, you know the years draw near when you say I have no pleasure in them it just kind of gets away you know one of the things when Sue and I were praying about coming up to Greeley to start a church it, it didn't really make practically a whole lot of sense we were doing well in Colorado Springs we just bought a house we had two small kids to come up here and start a church I didn't know how to start a church um, we didn't really know anybody but, but uh, you know John and and Becca and a few other people. Um, we didn't have the support and all that, uh, but we prayed about it and we felt the prompting of the Lord. And one of the things that Sue really brought out that I'll never forget, she said, if we don't go, we're going to regret it. 
And I look back and I think, if we wouldn't have gone, just what we would have missed. I don't want to go through life with a bunch of regrets because I didn't take the opportunity to really step out and do what the Lord has called me to do. Oh, I know there's been times where I thought, did I miss out? And I didn't press into this, but I don't want to go through life just living with regrets because I wasn't willing to really step out and do what the Lord has called me to do. And I don't want to get to the end of my life and, and saying, you know what, I have no pleasure in what I did in my life because I wasted so much time. And now's the time for us to keep moving forward. And as we go through Sunday about being a good steward of what God's given to us, we can't change the past. We put it under the blood of Jesus Christ, but we can move forward, pressing on to the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, living for him, and each and every day being sensitive to his leading to minister to whoever the Lord gives us to minister to. And while the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain, and then verse 3, the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows grow dim, when the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, and when one rises up in the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low, also they are afraid of height and the terrors in their way and then the almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper is a burden and desires fail for man goes to his eternal home and then the mourners go about the streets. He's talking about when we get older, you know, the keeper of the house, um, as he, he, he's using, again, the poetic terms in that the keeper of the house tremble. He's talking about we become afraid and strong men bow down. We get weaker and the window grows dim. Our eyes begin to fail and the door shuts. We're not as interested Rise up early because we can't sleep. Daughters of music brought low. We lose interest in things. Terrors in a way, again, talking about fear that can come and grip us when we get older and desires fail. We, we, we um, you know, desire things that we used to, food and other things. Uh, and then we go to our eternal home, death, and then people walk around the streets. Kind of like they forget about you. You know, we can experience these things as we get older, but here's what I want to remind us. We've talked a lot about youth, but older, God's not done with you. See, Moses, he didn't start his ministry until he was 80 years old. And he's not done with you. And you have so much to offer to others because you've been through life. You've been seasoned in life. You've learned a few things. And you have wisdom to give to others. And you have opportunities to pray and be a benefit and a blessing to others. So a healthy church is going to look like that the young people are excited about the Lord, but also the other people are encouraging them and continuing to minister and continue to be a benefit. And some of you that are older, you have incredible gifts and abilities and have so much to offer. And I just want to encourage you. And as we do get older, I believe that as sometimes it gets hard and we get down and we get discouraged and all of this, I think that the Lord wants us to have joy in whatever season that we're in. Whether we are young or whether we have young children. And you know how it is as we go through life and we go, well, I, I, I you know, I, I wish I was at this state. Or, you know, you get married and you have young children. Well, I wish, can't wait till the children grow up. And then they grow up and you think, well, I wish they were small again. And you just go through all that, don't you? And when you're older, I wish I was younger 
When you're younger, you wish you were older. I think every stage in life, listen, that the Lord desires to put joy into your heart. And for you to look to Him for that source of joy. And there is challenges in each stage of life that we go through, and whether we're young or old. But you remember your Creator, as He writes, before the silver cord is loose, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well, then the dust will return to the dust as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanities of vanity, says the preacher, it's all vanity. All of a sudden he gets negative. <laughs> He's all bummed out and stuff. You know, you're going to return to the dust. You're just going to die. But what you do for Christ, listen, that's what's going to last. That's what's going to last. And as a Christian, you know, we should be looking forward to eternity. And seeing the eyes of our Lord. And to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And as Solomon concludes here, he says, and moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and said in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and that was written was upright words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by the shepherd. And further, my son, uh, be admonished by these of making many books there is no end and much study is wearisome in the flesh he's acknowledging that you know that wise words and are 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 beneficial but he goes on and he says let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear god and keep his commandments for this is man's all for god will bring every work into judgment including every secret thing whether good or evil we will all stand before the judgment seat of christ the bema reward seat of christ Romans 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're not going to be judged for our sins, but what we did in the body, whether good or evil, all tried by fire. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Listen, to be rewarded for what we've done, what you do for Christ, that's what's going to last. So live for him. And Solomon's saying, here's the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments. I like to say, live for him. Love him. Live for him. Walk in obedience. Make your life count for him. Don't waste a lot of time. Don't miss out on the opportunities. You know, don't give to useless babbling and the foolish things, but walk in that wisdom, live for him, and let him do the work that he wants to through you. And then, as we return to the dust, as he says, we don't have to be negative, but we get to see our Lord in those wonderful words. Well done, good and faithful servant. So, Father, we thank you for this time in your book and these words of Ecclesiastes that, that shows that apart from you, that really life cannot be really purposeful and meaningful and fulfilling and joyous. All those things come from you. And, Lord, we're just pilgrims passing through, actually. And what I pray is that we would remember that, always keeping an eternal perspective and walking in your wisdom, walking in your love, desiring to just look to you for everything. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for this time that we've had in your word. And I thank you for this book. Even though sometimes it seems like it's negative and 
But Lord, there's a reason why it was written for our benefit. So help us to keep casting, sowing, casting that seed of truth and the gospel to others. Lord, help us keep looking to you for everything. And whatever season that we're in of life and whatever state that we're in, that, Lord, that you are the one that is our joy and a real purpose. And, Lord, that you desire to, to fill our hearts with just your love and that we would trust in you. And it gets hard sometimes. Sometimes we struggle and sometimes we feel empty and sometimes we wonder and sometimes we get fearful and sometimes we get down and discouraged and in the dumps. That's all very real for all of us. But Lord, that we would look to you. That you're the author and finish over our faith. You're our provider. You're our stronghold. And when we feel that we're at the ends of the earth, even as David said, that I will cry out to you. Lord, I pray that we would always keep our eyes on you and experience that abundant life that you have for us. Father, I do want to take a moment, if there's anyone here, perhaps, or listening on live stream, that you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. This world is not your salvation or your fulfillment. You are created to worship the true and the living God that comes through Jesus Christ. He died for you for forgiveness of sin. He rose from the grave. He's alive. And he desires for you to call upon him for eternal life and forgiveness and right relationship with the Father. For whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then Jesus said, I came to give life and life abundantly. He is your salvation. And if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, it's not surrendering to religion. It's coming to relationship. It's saying, Lord, I come to follow you to be forgiven, to be your child, to have the only hope that there is, the hope of eternal life. And you can pray right where you are. Say, Jesus, I come to you and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Forgive me. I believe you died for me. You rose again. You're alive knocking on the door of my heart and I open the door of my heart to you. For you, I ask to be my personal Lord and Savior. And I thank you for bringing me here. And I thank you for Jesus' death on the cross, for forgiveness. Help me to know you, to walk with you. In this new beginning, I thank you that I have. Help me to live for you all the days of my life, in Jesus' name. And if anybody here, because I know there's a lot of people out in the coffee shop, if if you prayed anybody that prayer, will you come up as we conclude and just let me know. And I want to pray with you and bless you. But for all of us, may we leave here just encouraged that we have the riches of Christ. We have you, Lord. And to stay close to you every single day. Just look to you. And trust that you're working as we just continue to sow, as we continue to plow, as we continue to run our race. Help us to stand fast in you. 
to stay watch, not abandon what you have for us because life gets difficult and the enemy attacks in the world. And that's what our response can be. But Lord, to stand fast in you, put on the whole armor of God, sword of the Spirit, and keep fighting the good fight. Bless everyone here now as we go our way. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.